I-92.9, Lane 6 New Hits. What's going on? It's Artemis, uh, the All Things Michigan podcast featuring all great things happening in Michigan. And uh, very blessed and privileged to have the Democratic nominee for governor, Gretchen Whitmer, in the building. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. But I don't have triplets at home like some people do. So I'm getting a little more sleep, but probably not much. We were just talking about, because I've shared with the audience a bunch of times about having triplets and no sleep and everything. But you come from a large family, and then you have uh, kids as well. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's it's what centers everything that I do. That's what this is all about. I want to make Michigan a state where our kids stay, right. our families can get ahead, and other people come to for opportunity again. And we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah, a lot of work. I mean, uh, I come from Flint, from the Flint radio market, and that's actually where I live. So I know all about the roads. I know all about the you know the educations. I mean, well, let's get started right with the roads um, because that's been one of your main platforms that you've really focused on. And really, you know, I didn't realize how bad the roads were until like you cross into other states like Ohio or you know anywhere else, and you're like, wow, this is night and day. The, yep. You know, so it, one of your main political platforms is fixing the roads. Why are you so passionate about it and and what would you like to see change? Well, you know, when we have roads that are crumbling, Mm -hmm. it is costing us every day. It's costing us in terms of our safety, in terms of our household budgets, in terms of our ability to compete with the world. Right. The average driver in Michigan is spending hundreds of dollars to fix their car because the state's not doing the job and getting the roads fixed. And and it's a frustration point for people across Michigan. I mean, I spoke with a woman the other day. She's from Flint, too, Mm -hmm. um, and hit a pothole and it was hundreds of dollars out of her budget. And that's money that could be used for rent yeah. or for child care or just putting food on the table. And so so this is really costing people that can afford it the least right. the most. But we're all paying for it. So I led with a plan to really fix the roads, to use the right mix and the right materials, to rebuild roads in a yeah. way that we use it as an opportunity to repair the lead pipes that are delivering water across the state that are yeah. that are old and ancient and dangerous. So yeah. This is a uh, an, a frustration point that we all have. I've become known as the fix the damn roads lady. I, I never ever imagined that would be yeah. my thing, but um, I talk about the roads that way because that's how we all feel, and it, and it resonates because that's how we all feel. Well, and I think us as Michiganders, we go through all of the seasons. We're one of the states where you really do feel summer, you really do feel winter, and it seems like every summer it's construction season. Every winter, it's oh, there's another pothole that you have to miss while you know being on the roads. It's just it's it's stressful, you know. Um, so so in your opinion, what do you think is wrong with the with the infrastructure of the roads and how they're being built now? So one of the things is that we've just been underfunding for a long time. We've had leaders who didn't have the backbone to do it right and to be honest and to level and to put the muscle into getting a real plan passed. And so we have a legislature that puts $100 million here into the roads. Now, $100 million to you and me sounds like a lot of money compared to right. our, our daily budgets. But when you talk about the magnitude of like a $3 billion problem, yeah, that's a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. And that's why it, you know these fake solutions, I'm done with it. I'm tired. Of, of people in, at the Capitol saying they're, they fixed a problem when we know darn well they haven't. Right. And that's why uh, my plan is it really is about doing it right, rebuilding. No more filling potholes, no more another layer, uh, you know, over a bad road. It's time to right. rebuild them. Now, we had just talked about Flint as well. And, and it's sad to me because coming from the Flint market, there's so much culture and so much love in Flint, but it has this black cloud, of course, with the Flint water crisis hanging over it. What are your thoughts on that, and where do you think the the governor that's currently sitting possibly went wrong with, with trying to fix the problem? 
Well, the the first fundamental flaw in in what you know created this man-made crisis is uh, the decision to move forward with emergency management and take Flint's ability to self-govern away. Right. To have bean counters who just cared about dollars and cents on a balance sheet and not have any appreciation for the ramifications for people that are going to be impacted by those decisions. Yeah. That was the Emergency Management Act. That act I fought when I was in the legislature. We the people we the people voted as a state and rejected it, and then they ran it, ram, you know, rammed it through again, right? Um, and rolled right over the democratic process of of the people's voice. Yeah. And then they took away, you know, self governance and made these decisions. Um, Eight thousand kids brushed their teeth every night with water that had lead in it. For yeah. Two and a half years before anyone stopped and said, "Listen to the families that were showing up." I mean, so. We owe it to the families of Flint to get it right. That's why at the top of the agenda going forward, it has to be re, you know, uh, rebuilding the water you know, structure in Flint. That I don't want anyone to think this is over because it's not. Yeah. I was in Flint um, a couple weeks ago at church and a, a mom was there and she pulled up her sleeve and showed me this rash all up and down her arm from taking a shower that morning. Yeah. And she said, I don't bathe my kids very often because we all break Ugh. out with this. And so it's heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, we can't let anyone try to buffalo us into thinking that. That, right. it's, that it's been fixed because it hasn't. Well, and, you know, I mean, it just seems like Flynn has had such a hard time. And, you know, Flynn, as long as well as Detroit, too, because when you think of not only, you know, the issues that that city faces, but the education system as well. And I wanted to discuss that with you as, as well, because you see... You know, and most Michiganders, I think that we see so many people like paying into the lottery, and it's like, oh, I'm going to be a big winner. I'm big. Where does that money go, and what, what's the what's the issue with? Okay, how come so many schools are shutting down, yet we're spending so much money and we're paying taxes, and then you have a lottery? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So, so the size of the school aid fund. It- dwarfs the lottery. So all those dollars do go there, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's making a difference because they've been stealing money out of the school aid fund to backfill the general fund when um, they want to, you know, pay for something, when they want to give away a business tax break, they take it right out of our school budget. And so the frustration that it feels like there should be more money there, that's real. That's legit. But the fact of the matter is until we stop this raid on the school aid fund, it's almost three quarters of a billion dollars. Dollars yeah. annually that they take out of schools to shore up other parts of the budget. And our kids are paying the worst price for it. And I'm glad you raised this on the specter of Flint because even if I if I had a magic wand, I would use it and fix the water crisis in Flint. But right. even in that scenario, it doesn't address poverty. It doesn't address the inequity in in education. It doesn't address the the lack of grocery stores that right. you know so people can get food or get skills to get into higher wage jobs. Right, and it's a much bigger issue too when you think about like you know the drug issue and not only drugs that are on the streets but prescription drugs as well and the opioid crisis and everything. And I know that you have talked about that on on your website. One thing that does come into play is November with the election coming up, legalizing marijuana. Mm-hmm. And some are saying that it's a great outlet for those who have addictions to prescription drugs or for opiates. And and also, 
you know, you look at what happened in Colorado, the surplus that they've had of money that's been coming in from from marijuana. What are your thoughts and where do you stand when it comes to the legalization of marijuana? So I'm going to be yes vote on the ballot initiative. In mm-hmm. 2008, I was a co-chair on Stem Cell and I endorsed the medical marijuana ballot initiative long before it was comfortable to do it politically. Right, right. But I did it because I thought it was the right thing. I'd taken care of my mom at the end of her life and she died of brain cancer. And I know what the potential for cures and stem cell research could mean for yeah. brain cancer. I knew what, you know, the alleviation of pain or the ability to create an appetite through treatment would mean through medical marijuana. And I yeah. embraced both of them. Um, we've had a series of attorneys general who didn't want to make it work from Bill Schuette to Mike Cox before him. Yeah. The worst thing that we could do as a state is adopt this and have a guy like Bill Schuette as our governor who is going to stand in the way and throw up every roadblock. Right. Um, because he's done it on the medical side. So yeah. we know he's going to continue to abuse his authority on, on the recreational. But, you know, I'm a mom. I got kids. And I don't want our kids to get access to this. And so that's why I think... We have to have a governor who is ready to do it right, to promulgate yeah. the rules, to enforce the rules, keep it out of the hands of our children, but also lead the ability to in all this inflow of tax dollars. Let's get them into our schools, yeah. into healthcare, and inf- into infrastructure like it's supposed to be. Let's make sure that it happens. We collect it and we spend it the right way. And we also got to take the step of expunging people's records who have um, nonviolent a, drug a offenders record for yeah. something that would now be legal. Right. Now, do you think that it should be taxed and distributed just like alcohol then to where, you know, you have to be a certain age limit. It gets taxed at a certain amount in a state in, in federal level. It, it's it's similar. Um, it is written into the proposal how the dollars are going to be expended. So awesome. it's not it's something that it creates a lot of discretion, although while they're designated, certainly a governor's budget will determine how exactly those dollars are going to be spent. And that's something that's important to me to get it right. Now, if there's someone that's listening right now and they're right in the middle, they don't know if they want to vote for you or for Bill Schuette, what would you say to them to kind of get them to, hey, pick me? Like, I'm a great choice for the next governor. Well, you know, I'm running for governor because I love our state, because I know we are at our strongest when we get to a place where we're really solving problems. Mm -hmm. I know how to cross the aisle to get things done. I am a Democrat and I stay true to my values. But I also am a person who can roll up my sleeves and work with anyone who actually wants to solve a problem. And I'll take on anyone, regardless of what side of the aisle they stand on, if they just want to stand in our way and and be um, obstinate. There you go. we We need to fix problems in Michigan. I worked with Rick Snyder to deliver on Medicaid expansion and 680,000 people in our state got health care coverage because of that. That was a bipartisan effort and I'm proud of that. My opponent shares none of that philosophy and I think um, we deserve better. We don't need a a protege of of President Trump. We need a Michigander who's ready to solve problems. Do you ever have, and this is a completely just off the wall question, but do you ever have someone like when you're walking down the road and they're like, fix the damn all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's like your catchphrase that is stuck like with said, you. Like I said, I had no idea this was going to be my thing. But yeah. um, it's it's been incredible that that's that's really cut through and it yeah it's real. Well, and it's something that every I just had a, a a tire that popped because of a pothole last year, so it's like it happens every mm-hmm. single year we deal with these issues. You mentioned healthcare as well, and it's the, the last question that I have for you. What do you think needs to change the most when it comes to healthcare in Michigan? Well, you know, we took a huge 
step forward with Medicaid expansion. And I was a big part of that. Um, as the Dem- Democratic leader, I was the highest ranking Democrat in government when the governor took that bold step and embraced it. And as a Republican, that was not an easy thing for him to do. I knew he couldn't get it done without my help. And so I went to work. I didn't have a list of demands. I just went right to work to make sure we got it passed. The um, Republicans have now passed this so-called work requirements, which is baloney. It's just about undoing some of the health care that we've been able to deliver on. Um, Job one is fighting to protect the work that we did. Three times the federal government, you know, the Congress has come after and tried to undo it. We've seen it happen on the state side. And and so my job, number one, is to to protect that, to protect women and make sure we've got the full uh, autonomy as as Americans with uh, decisions over our own bodies. Yeah. And um, to expand, to make sure that people with pre-existing conditions, uh, people who are struggling to with medi- you know, with the costs of prescription drugs, these are, are ways that we can improve. And there's still 600,000 people in our state who need coverage. And that's yeah. why I want to work to make sure everyone gets covered. Well, Gretchen, thank you so much for your time. I know that you're a very busy person and uh, you know we're honored to have you in here. If you want to plug your social medias or how people can contact you to, to see your platform and everything. Absolutely. We're on uh, GretchenWhitmer.com is our website. All of our social links are there as well, but we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. So I ask that your listeners get involved. This is um, an all-hands-on-deck kind of election. I think we've got a tremendous opportunity here, but we I can't do it alone. We can right. all be a part of this. Yeah, get out and vote. Uh, November is right around the corner. And uh, check out Gretchen's website as well. You can get all the details on where she stands on issues. And uh, thank you again so much. Yeah, thank you.